Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Game Alone's podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chanel, one of our fantastic brokers at Grand Union Finance, to talk about a few things that are going on in the world of property at the moment and how they're going to be affecting the mortgage market world. So stick around, enjoy this episode. Of course, as usual, we are sponsored by Grand Union Finance, my company. We are the property investors go to broker for anything from buy to let mortgages, HMO mortgages, basically mortgages for anything you need. So service accommodation, social housing, commercial properties, of course, and bridging and development finance as well. So if you need any help with any any kind of finance as a property investor, you know where to come. There's a link in the description to get in touch with me and the team, and we will be on hand to help. But that's enough for me. I will hand you over to myself and Chanel to talk about what's going on in the world of property at the moment. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another Grand Union Finance Market Update with myself, Sam, and Chanel. Hey, guys. Um, today, we've got three things in particular that we're going to talk about. Um, first of all, the autumn statement, which obviously happened last week, week before. Yes. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about predictions on base rate, interest rates, and things like that. And then we're also going to finish off talking about the leasehold and Freehold Reform Act or Reform Bill um, that's got into Parliament recently. It was announced in the King's speech. So let's kick off talking about the autumn statement. Um, So two things in particular on there, one negative, one positive. Let's start with a negative. We were anticipating that maybe um, there might be something that was talked about in terms of bringing back help to buy. Um, But there was nothing. It was conspicuous in its absence. Mm -hmm. Um, That would have really sort of helped, I think, push the market a little bit more, giving first-time buyers a little bit more hope that there was something in there. I mean, obviously, we don't deal with a lot of mortgages for first-time buyers, but, you know, in terms of, from a developer point of view, do you think that is is a a real negative for developers? Do you reckon they're going to be frustrated by by that? Well, yeah, I think it sort of, it gets rid of a big part of their their market, doesn't it, really, as as a developer trying to sell uh, properties to anyone, a first-time buyer, I mean, I was a first-time buyer and I bought a new built home um, just because of the help that was available. I mean, people my age, I'm constantly seeing people moaning about they can't afford to get on the property ladder and schemes like this are so helpful just to help people, even like single people as well. Like it's, it's really difficult out there and if you're a single person with one income uh, looking to buy a property with an average, I think average house prices now are 266 grand now. So, you know, if you work back from that, you've got to put a 26 grand deposit down, that's your 10%, and then the remaining amount, you've got to divide the loan amount between uh, 4.5 roughly in a minute, and then the salary, I, I can't even do the quick math on that, but the salary <laughs> on that needs to be, you need to have a salary of above average there to be able to do that. So it really is, it really has sort of um, got rid of a, a big chunk of the market really, because if you're gonna get, you're gonna have it's a cycle, isn't it, in the property market? You're going to have people who are in their 20s to 30s. Um, they're going to want to try and get on the property ladder. And then, you know, 30s to 60, I guess, you, you're in your prime, working full. You've got your career going and you've, you're raising a family, so maybe you upsize. And then you come to the end of the cycle then and you downsize. And that's the way the cycle works. And so if you're not able to get those those people buying houses, it, it can cause, you know, issues further down the line, yeah. can't it? And of course, we've had, I've seen that has had a knock-on effect in, on the rental market because yeah. a lot of people, I think, think that the rental market is massive when it actually isn't. Mm. Um, there is, you know, I think it's less than 20% of property in the UK is owned by a private landlord in some way, shape or form. So if you think about the number of people that rely on that market, yeah. it's, it, it's very, very small. And if you've got less and less people able to afford to buy their own home, 
that is going to start having a knock-on effect and we've seen rents go up. So that's, obviously that's, I suppose, a, a, a little bit of a negative, but I, I suppose on the flip, flip side of that, we did get the announcement that they were looking to change permit development rights yeah. to help us create more supply of properties. So yeah. as much as we didn't get any good announcements that we might have some help for people that want to get on the ladder, increasing the supply yeah. and increasing the supply at the, at the lower end might also have this this this, this a, a positive effect. So it was announced that the um, the PD rights would be changed um, to allow for a single unit homes or house of some description to be converted into two flats yeah. without the need for full planning permission. How, how I mean, how, I think this is pretty big news. How, how yeah. big is it? How much of an effect do you think it's going to have on, on what developers do it's, next year? It's had mixed reviews, I think. So developers have gone whoopie doo type thing. Um, it will only work in certain areas, which is true because the cost of converting a, a property into two is can be quite expensive, especially when you know the price of costs have gone up uh, for the developer. It needs to be worth their while to be able to do, but. Going back to that example that I just made of one single unit being worth 266 grand, when you split that in half, suddenly you've got two flats now of worth you know, 150, 160 that maybe someone can afford to buy now. So yeah, straight away, it's just solving small issues like that, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a good thing, but ultimately I think the, the changes in permitted development sort of coincide with changes that we like to see in planning you know pl planning reforms and things like that i saw on the on the statement something to do with that they are going to try and push more uh, funding and, and stuff into planning to try and increase well not increase the amount of applications they can take on but essentially yeah it is they can deal with more and that they're going to put sort of like strict timelines towards um getting your planning submitted and, and approved within a certain time frame and if you don't they they apparently they're offering refunds for that yeah so yeah it's it's like that in any in any job isn't it it's trying to create incentives or some sort of guideline or um sort of um end dates for the planning team to be like you know get us our response asap um it's like we we do it well developers do it with their builders they say well we're going to pay you x amount every single month yeah. um, and we want the job done at this date so it's like i guess it's like a how long is a piece of string with the planning department isn't it but yeah permitted development reforms are like like a gold mine isn't it for property investors because you can just crack on and do things without needing to wait months and months and months yeah. for planning i think you're i think you're right in what you're saying specifically on the specifically specifically <laughs> on the uh, the geography yeah. because i do think when you look at the the cost that's involved in a, a renovation or development of, of that kind of uh, level, the changes in the cost are not going to be in line with the changes of the, of the value of the properties. Yeah. When we look at, say, comparing a property in London to a property in, in Leeds, yeah. you know, something like that, the, the, the cost will be less in Leeds, um, I, I think, but it won't be substantially less in Leeds. So mm. I think the opportunities for this development, the permit development um, change is more in at, at the sort of above average price and yeah. the price points where flats are going to fly off the shelves so yeah. certain areas of london i i mean i could already see you know i mean there's already areas of london that you know have article four so permit development rights are harder to come by yeah. um, but i think there's going to be a, a flurry of, of different areas in the southeast in particular that are going to be pushing for article four to be um, imposed so that 
effectively this new permit development might get thrown out the window. So I think we've got yeah. a window opportunity where it's yeah. looking in certain areas where increasing you know, turning a house into a flat is going to make complete and perfect sense yeah. to, so, to, to do to do that. So I think we do, like I said, we've got this window opportunity. It hasn't been brought in yet. You know, yeah. it's not it's not official. It's not there. But realistically, it's already been discussed. It's been spoken about in the Australian. It's announced it's going to be happening. Yeah. So expect it to be, you know, made law if you like. I think within the next uh, the next few months. What you were saying in terms of the planning as well, massive that they're effectively bringing in. Like it's, what you were saying about the the cost. It's like a tiered system. It's almost like yeah. you can pay to be on the fast track, and then yeah. if it doesn't happen within a certain period of time, then you know. There is, a, there is a deadline for when yeah. that's when that's going to happen so okay. i think in the short term that sounds like a great idea but the reality is is that just meaning that the same problems that we're having in planning in general are yeah. just going to be shifted on a, a bit so it's basically the norm will then be that you have to pay, you have to pay more to, to get your planning application in because everyone's going to have to go down that route because not doing it means you're going to be waiting years and years and years yeah that to be honest the, the proof's going to be in the pudding for that one um exactly. there's there's there could be because yeah. I, I don't have the inside scoop. I have no idea what causes such delays with the council. Is it that they don't have the staff in? Do they not have the technology? Because I think that's that's an issue that we've got in the housing market as a whole, isn't it? Is that there's such a lack of uh, technology to push things forward, and we're sort of still dealing with transactions the same way as we did like a hundred years ago with signing people signing things with a wet signature and sending it in the post and all that stuff that sort of well that's makes it clunky so that's it i mean that to be honest that's an issue across yeah like, any sort of public sector work is mm. you know where are the incentives people talk a lot about how you know the, you know, the people that run the banks get paid too much money and all this kind of stuff the reality is is that um if you're not incentivized, the NHS is a great example of this. If you're not incentivized financially, there's only so you know, goodwill only yeah. goes so far. You yeah. know, people that are sitting in those planning offices, if they say, right, oh, your job is that you need to get it done at a certain, at a certain time, mm. well, what's my incentive to do that? Yeah. If there's only so much that it's just your job to do it, yeah. well, actually, I'm going to get paid whether it hits that deadline or not. So, yeah. really, do I care? That's it. Sounds know? like a solicitor. Yeah. <laughs> we love solicitors. We love you guys. We love solicitors. Um, but cool, so obviously lots happening there in the autumn statement. Coming on to the base rate then, and interest rates in general, um, yeah. we're literally just hot on the heels within, you know, we're recording this on, what's the date today? The 6th, the 12th, the 6th? The 6th the of the 12th. The 6th of the 12th, there we go. <laughs> um, so 6th of December, literally within the last 24 hours, Andrew Bailey, Governor of the Bank of England's come out. And I mean, there's almost like no point us even having the Monetary Policy Committee meeting uh, <laughs> next week or week after because he's effectively just said it's not it's not changing anytime soon. It's all soon. being said. It's all um, so, you know, the, the, the base rate is where it is. It's yeah. there to stay. We got some good news last month that inflation had come down. The reality is that that was maybe a little bit of a, um, you know, a, it, it wasn't a true reflection of mm. it just because year on year we, we had some... Um, energy changes, you know, last year at the same time, which yeah. then has then influenced this. But the reality is, inflation is still too high, um, and the base rate is the main, you know, arsenal, the main tool that we've got yeah. to fight it. And um, as a result, you know, I think the base rate will probably stay as it is, at least until we get a much, much more better handle on inflation. So, yeah. with that in mind. Um, you know, people probably sitting there watching this going, oh great, doom and gloom, um, maybe May, maybe June next year, we might see a decrease in the Bank of England base rate, it remains to be seen. 
So what does that mean for mortgage rates? But we've seen recently that actually there are quite a few lenders that are lending money that is at a lower rate than the Bank of England base rate. So yeah, obviously yeah. that's been great for us because it's nice to, to finally be able to make recommendations for mortgage rates that start with three yeah. to our clients again. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, it's, you know, it's uh, it's it's tricky. We need to understand the mechanism behind it. The fact that mm. it isn't just all about base rate. You know, there are other things, and of course, we have to talk about fees as well. Yes. Because yes. what a lot of people ask to see is that headline rate. They're yeah. not seeing, you know, what else is is part of that, and, and and it's important to understand that when you are choosing, you know, what mortgage product you're going to go with. So, fee. Yeah. We've, I mean, I've got, I can't think of the biggest fee. I think I've seen is nine nine point nine nine percent. It was, you know, West one, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, that was savage, but like, <clears throat> the, that's the thing, when you've got, when you're sh quite short-sighted and you're looking at the initial transaction that you're dealing with, whether it's a remortgage or a purchase, you're just, you just want to get your money back out of the deal. So you're seeing the headline rates and yeah, wicked, that's bringing your monthly payments down, but pe some people aren't looking at the bigger picture, the long-term sort of goal really, because property is a long-term thing and, you know, adding a 7% fee onto your 75% mortgage is taking you to 82% room to buy you. I think I did a video on it this week. But it's like, if you're a portfolio landlord, you're not just being viewed on that initial transaction anymore. You're gonna be viewed as a whole with your whole portfolio being assessed as well. So if, you're at, if your portfolio is sat at 75%, like literally the max, and you add an 82% loan to value property to it, that's gonna take your average up. It only takes it up to 1%, I think it is, or something like that, but then, straight away, it rings alarm bells to lenders because suddenly now your whole portfolio is over what they're comfortable with lending. So yeah, it's, I think a lot of people have been quick to accept the lower, lowest rates and not actually thought about what impact that's gonna do. Even if you're not a portfolio landlord, what impact is that gonna have on you in two years time when, you, when you've got your fourth property and all of a sudden you're, you're over leveraged? It's exactly, I mean, I don't know, I've seen, I mean, bearing in mind, obviously, we're in the industry, we're talking about mortgage rates and stuff like that all the time. Yeah. It's been quite fun, actually, over the last couple of weeks to watch a lot of investors and, and people like that suddenly talking about this. What, what was the, the news was Lend Invest, you know, released their yeah. 3.99% rate. Um, what was really weird, actually, was no one actually saw that um, Bank, uh, Bank of, uh, State Bank of England, India had. Bank of India, yeah, India, they did. They had a 3.9%, not even 3.99% rate. That had been released like two weeks previous. Okay, that yeah. was for um, personally owned properties, not um, not limited company. So it was still yeah. big. The amount of people that were that jumped on it and they were talking about how great it was and that. Mm -hmm. And actually, you know, we know as, in, as, in, as as brokers when we're looking at this, you know, exactly what you said. You've got to look at the bigger picture. They yeah. were just looking at this headline. They were saying how amazing it is and, and all that sort of stuff. They weren't actually giving the right advice. I know that they're not qualified to do so, but yeah, you're absolutely spot on in that. It's 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 more than just that. And actually, I think a lot of what else was being talked about was, well, is this then the turning point? Are we gonna start seeing all the other lenders jump on the bandwagon? And the reality is, they haven't. Mm. Um, and that is really because, and, and, and I've been talking about this really for the last month or so, which is that when you get into the final quarter of the year, you've yeah. got two types of lenders. Yeah. Ones that have been doing really well all year and they've lent all their money and they've, re they've, they've reached the target that they've set for the year, so they're now in the mode of like resetting for 2024. Christmas parties. The Christmas parties. And bonuses. Then, and bonuses, <laughs> yeah. And then you've got the ones that haven't hit their lending targets. Yeah. And what do, 
what, what do you do? You know, if you've got a load of product to sell, like when I used to work on the deli counter at Waitrose, when everything was going out of date, what did I do? I halved the price to try and get it out as quickly yeah. as I possibly could. And that's what Lend Invest have probably done, is mm. we know that Lend Invest have not been massively active this year. Yeah. In fact, the large proportions of the year, they've been in the kind of the, 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 the interest rate wilderness, if you like, because yeah. they, they haven't been Literally. pricing very well. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that they are well behind probably on what their anticipated figures are. Like, look, we haven't seen those figures, so we're just speculating here. But yeah. one of the reasons is probably they're going, we, we've got a good opportunity here. Last couple of months of the year, let's just get as much money out of the door as we possibly can. Maybe, maybe we'll hit that target. Maybe we'll get our bonus. Yeah, you know? I think they've probably gone on the side of caution, haven't they, all year? Uh, the ins you know the uncertainty now there's like you said that the news that we've had that the base rate is likely to stay the same that sort of gives us even more sort of comfort than we have had the last couple of months even though it has been pretty comfortable but yeah straight away it's like boom let's get our money out then because we we're pretty certain that for the next couple of months it's going to be quite stable exactly and you know we are we've seen you know, there are other other lenders that reduce rates you yeah know, that's that's not you know that's not um diminish that but you know we are still talking averages being high fours early, early fives and to be honest with you if the average rate of a mortgage over the next 12 months became you know between four and four and a half percent I think that's really manageable yeah. I think that creates us will, will help create a more stable property market um, you know yes I'm sure at some point when the, the economy improves we will suddenly start seeing um, house price rises again but for the time being, having a relatively stable market is probably just, a, it will be a nice period of consolidation, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, obviously it's not just down to um, the base rate that, it, that you know, that pushes um, you know, certain interest rates to be released. It is down to how much it costs lenders to borrow money to yeah. lend out. And we use Sonia rate swap rates for that, which, you know, are much more... You know, they fluctuate more when we're in a period of, of economic instability. Yeah. They fluctuate less when things are more stable. We are seeing that things are becoming a little bit more stable, therefore those fluctuations are less, which means that we can predict the cost of that money better, which means that lenders can afford to yeah. um, you know, reduce their rates in accordance to that. So that has been you know, a bit of a, the knock-on effect. And I think we've kind of reached that point now. Um, mm -hmm. So until the base rate does come down, I don't think we're going to see any more huge milestones really over the next couple of months. So, yeah. you know, we've had a couple of clients, haven't we, recently, both of us that have said, oh, maybe I'll wait till the new year to refinance. Well, the reality is I can't see there being too much of a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, moving into moving into the new year to where it is now, the especially if people are, re, are thinking about remortgaging and because they're thinking, oh, well, you know, February, March next year, I reach the end of my fixed rate, I need to start planning for that. The reality is, with Christmas involved, we we should be looking at starting that application yeah, process now. Yeah. Um, and if we do go with a lender that does re reduce their rates, most of the time they're okay with switching over the products, aren't they? Yeah, and I say having lenders that are flexible is is key, really. Um, and yeah, it, changing the product a lot of the time is free of charge, and, and we can just you know ask them to amend the offer if your offer is already out or um, before offer. It, yeah, you pretty much can change it before that happens. So. Yeah, plenty of opportunity to get something in yeah. before before the new year. Absolutely. Before everyone shuts so if you need to refinance, guys, there's a link down in the description. Make sure you click on it. Get in touch with us. Uh, we can organise a call. We can go through everything that you need to make sure that we don't miss out 
on that the end of your fixed rate and you fall onto that dreaded standard variable rate. So make sure you get in touch with us and we'll, we'll help you sort that out. Yeah. Last thing to discuss is the potential or the 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 the, the, the much talk much talked about uh, leasehold and freehold reform bill, not yeah. act yet, bill. Yeah. Announced in the, the King's speech, um, which is a bit of a random place for it to be announced. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the King doesn't probably care too much <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. But um, but a few changes, um, and this was a, this was actually now formally been addressed in Parliament as of the 27th of December. Michael Gove um, brought this as an official you know, thing to be discussed, a, a bill to be discussed, which yeah. you know to me suggests because i think when it was when when when, when it was first like uh, announced in the king's speech there's a lot of people that were like oh, well when is this actually going to come in mm. the fact that on the 27th it's already you know being talked about in parliament suggests to me that this is something they probably want to start pushing through sooner rather than later so we'll quickly go through the points yeah. i have written them down <laughs> so i don't forget yeah. um but the big one is is this ban of leasehold houses basically yeah. so effectively what that means is that any new build property any house that's built from now on there are existing leasehold houses um, but any houses built from now on will not under this bill would not be allowed to be leasehold they would have to be freehold which for us from a lending point of view helps because you know it, there are lenders, a lot of lenders out there that don't like leasehold houses aren't they yeah yeah um it's funny you know because that i was just saying earlier that i bought a new build flat um, and we've got like a community and everyone moans about the management company. Like for me, it's annoying anyway, but you just got to deal with it because you're in a flat. But I would hate it if I had a house that was leasehold and being dictated and billed every year. It's crazy the amount they're, they're being billed as well, just just for nothing really. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely going to help. And I think if you're using, as a property investor, if you're using, um, a strategy such as extending leases as your main strategy where you're buying houses that have got low leases at the moment getting them extended there's been a change in that as well hasn't there yeah so that was that was another big one which is that the standard at the moment to extend to so, so when you approach a freeholder to extend your lease the standard is to extend it by 90 years that under the reform bill would be um, changed to 990 years yeah so um, I feel kind of sorry for like leasehold solicitors um, and surveyors and that, like their whole thing is is to price up these things so they're going to get a load of business over the next couple of years and then it should fall quite flat yeah. uh, once, once all the properties have had their lease extended to 990 years but yeah. um, but that's really really useful because it just gives you know it gives people that extra security of you know if you've got a 990 year lease it's pretty secure you yeah. know and i think that that's massively important so it does represent a lot of good opportunity and i guess this couples in with two other parts that were that were announced which is that um if you do extend your lease then effectively they're removing ground rent post lease extension so you're yeah. on that 990 year lease effectively you're buying the ground a little yeah. bit as well in terms of that because it's so long and they're saying that the freeholder will no longer be able to charge you ground rent which i know can that compared to service charges, that's usually the smaller of the cost, but it's yeah. a cost nonetheless. That's obviously a massive uh, positive. Yeah. And of course, the ability to increase that or, or extend that lease has just become a little bit easier as well because we have the section 42, I always get it wrong, I think it's section yeah. 42, yeah, yeah. which would mean that um, a leaseholder could apply and agree to extend the lease mm. you know, to that you know, statutory sort of 90, 90 years previously, yeah. 990 under the new reform. Um, and then they could reassign that to someone they were selling the flat to to coincide with completion. So yeah. they, they agree the extension, somebody buys the flat, 
um, the lease sold flat, and then they can uh, reassign it for non-completion and extend on completion. If you didn't do that, you had to wait two years. Mm-hmm. That is going to be, you know, shredded. Yeah. Um, if um, if the reform bill does come in, they're going to stop doing that. You could you'll be able to you don't have to wait two years. There's no mandatory wait period afterwards. So effectively, that section forty two is gone, yeah. um, and it just means that for clients of ours that are you know, do extend leases as part of their um, their strategy, there's going to be so many more opportunities because they can just go in and buy a a, a lease old flat that has a low lease, and they don't have to be thinking about okay, well really to make good on this investment, to increase the value, mm. I'm gonna have to find flats that do already have that agreement in place that can be reassigned to me on completion. They yeah. can go to any flat that has a low lease yeah. and, and they can they can put an offer in and, and then they can just start that process yeah. directly with the freeholder themselves after it's, uh, and, and you know, the freeholder can't really say no. Um, yeah, so it. uh, it's just about finding the price. And there's also, yeah. you know, these are a couple of the mi- little minor things as well on the back of this, which is that, you know, the pricing structure of that should be should be sort of more sort of capped. Yes. There's not released a lot of information about that as to how that's going to look, but it should just create a much fairer pricing structure, which obviously is is going to help massively. Yeah, definitely. I've got a case at the moment that's really delayed because of this whole section forty two. It's uh, having it handed over has taken ages, and you know when the client wants to complete quickly and usually bridging finance is not ideal, is it? So, yeah. So long. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, and the other thing um, that was you, you you mentioned in there as well about like management fees and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Again, you know, transparency over that. Um, mm. I think is massively important. I mean, again, my first home I ever bought was was a leasehold flat as well, and, and mm. had the same same thing. I remember the the uh, the meetings in the pub down the road uh, about the, you know us not being happy with the management company, and all that. Yeah. It's going to be a bit a bit more power. Um, a bit more transparency on the costs. So particularly one of the things I was mentioned about was insurance. Um, yeah. You know, being able to, you know, the, the, the freeholders of the management company wouldn't just be able to go and use a, um, an insurance company but pay them like commissions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There'd be a lot more transparency over that. So I think the whole thing on the whole is massively positive. Yeah. We as a company, as a company, as a country, you know, having leasehold is, is a relatively strange, unique thing. It's a British thing. You know, a lot of other countries do not have leasehold. Um, yeah. Everything is freehold. So I think we're moving towards very slowly to a um, to, to conforming with other countries in terms of our housing. Um, and it's just you know, it's just less confusing. Yeah. You know, if it was just freehold, it just makes it a hell of a lot less confusing. And I think this is a, a really positive step. It, like anything, you know, we were talking earlier about permitted development rights and opportunities and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This again represents a, an opportunity whilst when you're ahead of the game, when we when you know when you know about this stuff before it becomes mass market, mm. we know about all this stuff because we're reading about it. We get sent it in, in newsletters and all this kind of stuff. But yeah. man on the street, lady on the street, they're not gonna know this mm. this sort of stuff and where the opportunities are. A lot of vendors that are selling won't know about these changes. Even agents might not know about some of these changes. So it represents yeah. a huge opportunity to get ahead of the curve as an investor to acquire more properties in a more creative way, being able to look at a deal and go, actually, this now stacks up because I can take advantage of you know, this new leasehold reform bill or the you know, PV right changes and, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And it's understanding, I've, the amount of conversations that I have with clients about understanding how to use finance as a tool to, to implement these types of strategies, like, I don't think people understand that you can bridge against the uplifted value of that property 
once you've extended the lease and you can extend the lease between exchange and completion. So you, you're completing on a property that's already gone up in value by extending the lease. Yeah. And using bridging finance to do that is huge. Um, I've seen clients do it with a, literally no deposit because of the, the uplift that the lease, just extending the lease has done to the property exactly. before they've even got the keys has, has just made their money back. Like, it's crazy. And, and again, this is because we're in, in this world, we understand yeah. We, we see it day to day, all these case studies, all these creative ways of financing things. Yeah. Um, I, I say all the time, if an investor can have even, you know, a, a, a slightly higher understanding of different financial products, different finance products, yeah. how they work, even within the sphere of bridging, there are so many different mini product sectors. Yeah. Um, just understanding how all these works, working with a good broker, cough, cough, um, <laughs> Actually, just it, it's it's such a it's such a game changer. Yeah. It puts you ahead of the curve. I've often gone on record, and and you know sometimes I get a bit of backlash, is to say that a lot of these property education companies, one of the things they fall down on is is the financial education. 100%. Whereas I think that's actually one of the most important aspects of it because well, yeah. understanding how to finance a deal and how you can be creative in doing that mm. can it, it can be one of the biggest ways of propelling yourself forward. Yeah. And unfortunately, and you know, I watched I actually watched a video recently about bridging finance by somebody who is actually very well known for being um, you know, the owner of a property education company. And he went through a deal and talked about bridging finance and the numbers didn't work. Yeah. I, as I was watching it, I was going, this doesn't make any sense. And I actually went and looked at the comments and all the comments said exactly the same thing. So I'm thinking, this person is educating yeah. a load of people about this. And if he's giving the wrong information, then, then that's, that's, that's not good. So, mm. you know, one of the best things you can do is obviously subscribe to, to this channel um, and you'll learn a lot about different finance products and how you can use those to, to, um, to structure different kind of strategies and different types of deals. But, yeah. you know, really educating yourself, working with a broker that really understands it, I think is, is imperative. Um, yeah. And like you say, with so many opportunities over the next 12 months, 24 months, getting ahead of the curve, yeah. understand things better than the, the normal Joe blogs, mm. um, and, and there are going to be so many opportunities. Yeah, 100%. There's been plenty of times where I've had conversations with clients and I've gone, why don't you try this way? And why don't you negotiate with the vendor to try and get an exchange delay completion and we can fund it this way? Mm. And it's like, what? It's when it's when you say it's when you say something like, "Oh, you can do an exchange with delay completion," and they don't know what that is. Yeah. And you're like, "Hang on a second, are we brokers or are we property <laughs> educators?" Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's it's part and parcel of what we do. I think what yeah. what what we like to do to set ourselves apart as as a brokerage at Grand Union Finance is that we do understand the the, the mm -hmm. how to how to structure different deals, not just from a financial point of view, yeah. but because we're so lucky to work with so many amazing investors, yeah. funnily enough, we see what the good ones are doing, exactly. and we work with them to make those those you know those um, purchases work, those developments work, those projects work, and we can impart that knowledge onto you know to to, yeah. to some of the other clients we work with that are maybe a bit you know earlier on in their in their careers in, in property, yeah. and that's actually for me. I don't know how you feel about it, but it's one of the best parts of my job. Yeah. You know, being able to talk to clients and not just be sitting there like a human calculator going through boring figures yeah. it's actually talking about you know creative structures and mm. strategies and you know where do they want to be in 15 years time and how can we help get them there that's that's for me that's the best part of the job 100%. You know? it, it literally like you just said it's it's either starting with the brand new investors and helping them through their journey to reach their goals whatever that may be 
but also working with the clients that are further on in their journey and maybe just taking little bits and bobs from what they're saying and, and, and helping the, the ones that are earlier on and this yeah it's definitely uh, it's definitely the best part of the job for sure yeah and if you want to be one of those clients that can you know get benefit from the knowledge that Chanel and I have um, do get in touch as I mentioned before there's a link down in the description below to come come through to our contact page uh, where you can request a, a call from, from one of the brokers here at Grand Union Finance. There's actually a link below specifically to speak to Chanel when it comes to bridging. You know, she's, she's a bit of a ninja when it comes to bridging finance, so you can book a call directly with Chanel uh, to talk about all your bridging needs. Uh, we'll be back next month for, for another one. Uh, we're off to start our Christmas shopping now, yes. uh, but we'll be back in, in January um, to hopefully brighten everyone's moods up with some positive stuff going into 2024. But I guess for now, thanks for joining us. Thanks Chanel for coming in. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yep, that's it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other Game of Loans podcast episodes, please, I would ask you a massive favour to leave a five-star review. It massively helps me grow the podcast and reach more people that will hopefully enjoy the episodes as much as you have. Thank you so much in advance for this, and I'll hopefully see you on the next episode.